Custom makes and indeed welcome to the Rock Fight, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, and sometimes agree to disagree. I'm Colin True, and today on the show, we're talking about resale and secondhand, a topic we've touched on before, but I find it's crucial to bring up again because buying used stuff is really the best arrow in the quiver for an eco-conscious outdoor consumer. As recent Rock Fight guest Sophie Benson told me, we need to put secondhand first. So you'll never stop hearing me harp on about the fact that we have a stuff problem in the outdoor community, at least until we get to a place where our adventures don't start at the gear shop and we all start to realize the problem we all must have when it's widely accepted to have an outdoor media company called Gear Junkie. If you're wondering when having fun in the woods became about the stuff, the answer is always. Outdoor historians will point to the fact that in the 1800s, U.S.-based adventure seekers would first seek out buckskin suits from Native American women so they wouldn't look like the posers they were when they got off the train somewhere in the American West. And outdoor gear and apparel brands have existed in some form for going on 200 years. But people buying this stuff from those brands went from needing it to wanting it as it became less likely you would die by stepping out your front door. And then the Industrial Revolution happens, and cheap synthetics made stuff more durable and cheaper. And finally, in the 1990s, it became cool to look outdoorsy as pop culture icons started rocking outdoor brands. And a few billion dollars later, here we are. You know, there's actually a great podcast called Lairs that chronicles the rise of dressing down. I'll link it in the show notes so you can check it out. And you know the host of it, eh, he might sound a little familiar to you. That's all I'm going to say. As we sit here in 2023, Resale or secondhand is the best option to actually affect what's happening when it comes to the stuff we consume for our outdoor adventures. And it's also the future. One of the sponsors of the Rock Fight is GearTrade.com. And according to them, the average age of a Gear Trade shopper is younger than 27. Younger than 27. So if outdoor brands don't get hip to how the younger generations are consuming goods, uh, the trail's gonna get real rocky for them in the not so distant future. Also speaking of Gear Trade, today I'm sitting down with Aaron Provi, who's the owner and president of GearTrade.com, and we take a look behind the curtain of a retailer who has been in the resale game since 1999, so knows a few things about this topic, the issues the brands are creating for themselves, and how consumers should approach shopping for their next adventure. So, welcome back to The Rock Fight. Today we're talking about resale and the outdoor industry with my guest, Aaron Provi. All right, well, we're joined now by Aaron Provine, who is the president of Gear Trade. And if you've been listening to the show over the last couple of months, you may have noticed me reading ads for GearTrade.com. And I want to start out by pointing that this is not SponCon. This is not sponsored content of any kind. Gear Trade is a retailer that is leading the way when it comes to providing secondhand options to outdoor consumers. So if you want to talk about the very relevant topic of secondhand goods in the outdoor space, Aaron is the guy you want to talk to. So Aaron, thank you so much for joining. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Right now, secondhand shopping is kind of the most reliable thing we have going as a way to manage some of the environmental issues, you know, of, of this stuff, you know. And so it's, um, I don't know, it's a little overlooked. I mean, is that is that a fair statement? No, I mean, it's grown in momentum. You know, uh, resale as a, as a whole is starting to get a, a bigger light, you know, put on it. Yeah. You know, resale, retail's been around in outdoor for a long time, right? I mean, thrift stores have been around. Uh, local stores have been around, uh, but, you know, resale at scale and resale on a national scale that goes beyond kind of your traditional 
you know, outdoor, you know, locations has been a little bit of a foreign concept, uh, you know, and I think as, you know, not just the outdoor industry, but as other industries kind of look at how they collectively start to look at, you know, uh, overconsumption and overproduction and, you know, all of these concepts that ultimately have a long-term downstream impact, uh, retail is becoming a bigger and more important topic. And as that's happening, uh, it's starting to become uh, a little bit more interesting for consumers. Well, as it pertains to the outdoor space, so like your longtime listeners of this show will probably recognize my constant griping about the bullshit that's inherent in the outdoor industry, which I've those opinions that are formed from a long time working in the outdoor industry. But, you know, any market sector that makes stuff, I think at some point, and they should have by now, probably reckon, you know, the impact that, you know, making stuff has. Uh, but in our space, you know, the stuff that's being made is done to get more people outside, at least on paper. I mean, mostly it's T-shirts and trucker caps, right? But at least the technical stuff is made to get more people outside, experience the magic of the outdoors. And so you'd think everyone would be constantly doing everything they can to limit their impact. And brands will tell you they do but really only to the point probably where it doesn't cost them significant revenue. So I, I guess I wanted to ask someone in your position who tends to, who doesn't tend, who does kind of sell this, these brands, you know, in a, and trying to provide second life to a lot of the products they make, you know, how do you view the industry, you know, the OIA, the brands, like what's your 10,000 foot view on sort of the whole thing? Yeah. I mean, you know, so, I mean, full, full disclosure, we, we work with very few brands in, in, in outdoor and, and, and a big reason for that is, is just, uh, you know, their kind of perspective, uh, you know, around resale tends to be around customer acquisition and retention, right. Less about kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, the benefits that it can provide, you know, society, um, the brands that we do work with get it. Uh, and they are all on board and there's a very, you know, altruistic kind of point of view and perception, uh, you know, around it. And, uh, you know, the industry, you know, outdoor isn't different from any other business, right? Any other industry, it's built on consumption, it's built on consumerism, it's built on buy more, uh, you know, and there's, there's a, there's a real challenging kind of component there where, you know, effectively, there's there's a limit. <laughs> you know, uh, you can only create enough stuff before your, you know, uh, your landfill is full, right? It's like right. read anything about you know the Great Pacific Gyre or or any of these places in the ocean that are just like miles upon my. You know, it's like I, I mean, what what is it like the the Pacific? You know, garbage patch is like larger than the, than the state of Texas. Yeah. Right. It's like that. I mean, it's just yeah. it's ridiculous, but that is a function of what we're doing, what we're buying and how we approach it. And, and the ironic part about outdoor as a whole is that outdoor people tend to buy outdoor stuff so that they can go enjoy nature. So they can go do things in nature. They can experience things in nature. And there's a massive conflict between that and this idea that just consume, just buy. Buy, 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 buy more, take more, you know, mm -hmm. build, um, you know, and, and then on top of that, when you look at like the outdoor industry as a whole, like brands uh, are still very in this, this pervasive, you know, thought process where they need to make a lot of different products for very minute things. Uh, and on top of that, most brands and products look the same, right? It's like cover a black down jacket, cover the logo 
And more than likely, it's going to look the same as its competitor, right? There's very little distinguishing features. Uh, but brands continue to build uh, items that are, you know, they, they have these lines that are 700 items deep, right? It's like, do you really need three different kinds of base layers that solve very minute problems? Like, couldn't we just, I don't know, like go with one and, you know, uh, wear more like, like, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> like the, the whole concept is, is designed around creating very specific niches for very small use cases and producing a lot of stuff around it. That's kind of what I've always butt up against. And I, I wrote down while you were chatting, I'm like, am I kind of over romanticizing it? Because you're right. It is. It's still a, these are for-profit enterprises. They're making stuff and they want to sell them. But where I butt up against it is is that intent, right? This isn't like, okay, I'm going to go back to school shopping. American Eagle makes clothes. It's very black or white. We got to make more clothes, right? And then sell more clothes. And at the root of the way these brands are marketed, the outdoor brands, is we're going to get you outside. And man, we love the environment and nature. And we're going to stand up for public lands. And we're going to do this and that and the other thing. And to your point, but we're also going to have 700 different things in our line that looks like everybody else's stuff. And maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I should just stop screaming into the wind. But that's where my issue stems from is it's like, yeah, don't you guys see the problem here, right? You know, you're not you can't you can tell me you added a little bit of recycled material to it doesn't really matter because it's still going to end up in a landfill at some point. And, you know, and it's just misleading to the consumer who thinks that now they're buying from this, you know, brand that has ethics and is doing it the right way and everything. And it's really not that any difference than, you know, the, the mall store just selling clothing. I mean, it's a, it's a real challenge, right? Uh, yeah. And I think that this is this is part of the the fundamental problem that the outdoor industry as a, as a whole has, right? Um, it it'll toe the line, right? It'll tell the story, it'll toe the line, uh, but it won't go over the line, uh, yeah. and it won't go over the line because that line is you know could have a massive impact on size growth. Uh, you know, revenue and, and, you know, the reality is that growth is growth is part of the problem, right? It's, it's uh, you know, how do you, how do you create a sustainable in- industry, you know, that takes care of the places that we all love, that encourages people to get outside, encourages new entrants to get outside, uh, but also doesn't destroy, uh, you know, these third world countries that are producing these things. Uh, yeah. And, and leaves those problems uh, to, for somebody else to deal with, right? right. Uh, it's a huge conflict. Uh, most brands don't own their own factory, right? Which means that they're outsourcing those factories, um, you know, and, and it, it creates a real challenge and it's, and it's a heavy industrial process, just like any other industry. I think the challenge with, with outdoor is that um, outdoor tends to be very uh, soapbox oriented. Uh, and right. On a soapbox and tells everybody about how good it is, uh, but the reality is that the problems here are very similar to the problems in in other places. We're going to talk about consumer and consumer shopping habits and things like that as it relates to secondhand because that's kind of the consumer solution. It's like give them other options, but it's also, you know, that knee jerk reaction of I want to buy something. It's like it's a passion purchase most of the time, and. Right. For, so for the brands, you know, now you do see, I did some evaluations yesterday. I started looking at the secondhand web stores by, you know, a few of the bigger brands. And I'm sort of wondering, is this, 
you know, and maybe I'm just cynical. Is this legitimate? Are they really trying to like do better? Or is this a box checking exercise because they see folks like yourself and the kind of rising demand from consumers for other things? So, I mean, I guess, you know, like I could talk about my findings on that, but, you know, when you see, you know, Arcteryx have secondhand and the North Face has secondhand on their website or an adjacent site, it's not even on their website, which I, that, I, that didn't make a lot of sense to me either. It's like, put it on your website. Don't create an extra step, you know, like just put it there. But anyway, like, is that, do you feel that sincere? I mean, it's good no matter what, right? It brings, it brings attention to it, but is it, is that a, is that a good thing in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I, I think ultimately what you see there is is kind of this challenging conflict between um, traditional business models that have been mm -hmm. around for you know a hundred you know hundreds hundreds of years, and then you know kind of this this new uh, you know kind of thought process or, around resale. You know, I think that their 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 mind is in the right place. Their heart is in the right place. Um, I, I think the real challenging part is that there's a there's a massive conflict of interest. Right. And what I mean by that is that, you know, resale uh, requires a little bit more effort. Uh, it's not as easy as, uh, you know, buying 10,000 black uh, down jackets. Right. <laughs> uh, and and being able to scale on it. Resale is is if you were to get 10,000 black down jackets, each one would have its own unique flavor. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. As a reseller, you have to describe that and you have to, uh, you know, you have to make sure that the buying customer understands kind of the, the little nitty gritty that, that goes on to that, that, that item. Mm -hmm. So, you know, rather than taking one photo and writing one description, you're writing, you're taking 10,000 photos and writing 10,000 descriptions, right? <laughs> Which from a scale standpoint becomes a really, really, really difficult Um right. And, and so there's, there's a massive cost burden there and that's, and that's the real challenge with, with resale. And it's a real challenge with, with how brands allocate, you know, internal resources to resale. Um, right now, you know, what you see specifically from the large brands is they're using a third party solution uh, to be able to help them, you know, sell their, uh, sell their gear and set up a, uh, uh, you know, a, a storefront. Um, is the experience perfect? Uh, by all means, I would say no. Um, you know, I would also argue uh, that, you know, from the most, for the most part, uh, a lot of brands are kind of dabbling in this at this point in time. Like this isn't a fully vetted kind of perspective from, from a branded perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and more importantly, uh, a lot of brands in order to make the dollars and cents work uh, are utilizing this as a customer acquisition and customer retention play, uh, which effectively eats into their marketing budget. So what you end up seeing is you end up seeing this conflict between do we market our our products that are, that were built in a factory or do we market you know the the secondhand aspect? Um, and secondhand ends up usually taking a back seat because the reality is that once you've paid for inventory and inventory is on the water and inventory is in your warehouse, you have to sell that inventory. Um, yeah. With with retail, um, you know, you definitely want to sell it, but you know, there's a there's a there's a pricing conflict within those within those walls. Um, I, I think the reality of this is that uh, one of the major issues that a lot of brands or one of the major problems that a lot of brands and mistakes that brands are making uh, is they're thinking about this from a purely vertical standpoint, right. which is, uh, you know, if I am a 
customer of brand X, I wear head to toe brand X. Um, and that's just not a reality. Uh, customers pick and choose brands. They pick and choose items. They pick and choose kind of their flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so by opening up kind of a, a retail or resale store for, for their brand, they limit their customers into only their brand. And that's, that's the value and, and the value prop that we are, you know, effectively trying to break down those walls right, right. that customers can find the brands that they like, find the products that they like, uh, do it in a way that is, that is retail oriented, uh, and helps, helps engage the, the, the customer. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of conflicts there and, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of, um, a lot to unpack in terms of all of those comments. Um, but the reality is, is that, that brands are looking at this from, you know, first and foremost, uh, customer retention and acquisition, uh, and secondarily, they're getting kind of a benefit from being able to talk about the green benefits. Yeah, I think the there's really two ways we're going to get out of sort of the messes we make, right? The consumer, you put it on the consumer, which is what we've been trying to do for decades now, right? Let the consumer demand what they want. Right. And I think when it comes to things like this, it's it's not that does that's proven that's probably going to take way too long if it even works ultimately. Or right. then there's the legislative action, which is, you know, then I talk to some folks like Ken Pucker and you hear about things like the, you know, the New York Fashion Act. And it's like, you know, there's not even an outdoor brand supporting that. Right. Which I right. think if there was an industry that was going to support it, even if it was like detrimental to their business, it would be the outdoors industry. So right. if you bring the attention back to consumers and that's why I say like right now, secondhand is the way to sort of manage some of these problems right now. Like if you can get people to sort of understand that. Pretty much anything you need or want, you can procure in this manner. You know, maybe there's some good, there's, there is good to be done there. So having done, done this for a while now, like what have you learned about consumer buying habits? Because my, you know, I, I told you, I think the first time we met that, you know, it, it being an aging Gen Xer, it was conditioned as, you know, a kid to be like, spend, spend, spend. You got 20 bucks in your pocket. You need to spend that now. You yeah. know, it was hard for me to even think about secondhand as an option. And now it's what I do, right? Oh, I'm going away this weekend. Let me go. I need something. Let me go to geartrade.com and see if it's on there, right? So right. what have you learned from consumer buying habits and sort of the idea of putting secondhand first? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, you know, those are all kind of interesting kind of, you know, topics in terms of, you know, customers and 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 how they're evolving. You know, I'll, I'll say this, you know, first, you know, ultimately, uh, resale tends to be a fairly young customer, uh, mm. you know, and a lot of reasons for that. Uh, number one is uh, they've grown up in an environment that I think is more sustainably oriented. Um, so they think sustainability first. Uh, number two, um, you know, if you think about like the massive things that have happened when, you know, uh, you know, as Gen Z has grown up, right. And Gen Z, you know, uh, is, is fairly young. Um, you know, you have nine 11, you have, uh, you know, you have the 2008 market meltdown, uh, you have uh, political strife in the, you know, the late, you know, you know, 20, 2020s, uh, you know, 2019, you know, kind of time frame. Um, you have a lot of just, you know, dynamics that are shifting and changing. Uh, it's more expensive to buy a home. Inflation is up, right? There's a lot of dynamics that are kind of playing out and people just can't afford, you know, what they, what they used to. And so, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we internally kind of think, you know, along the lines of, uh, you know, you know, 
very similar to kind of how World War II was operated in the United States, where, you know, the, the federal government told people, like, don't buy stuff, um, you know, save space for the factories, right? So the factories can can build, you know, uh, their things. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of similarities in the sense that I think people, especially younger generations, are approaching it from the sense of, you know, like, I can use this for a much longer time period or, mm-hmm. you know, and go out and find something really cool and find a premium brand, find a premium product, find, use this tool for this thing. Um, it's also open the door for uh, people to be able to move assets that are in their closet, right? It's like mm-hmm. if you bought this thing, you know, 20 years ago, you couldn't resell it or it was really difficult to resell it, right? Now it's like there's resale platforms that help you move cash that is locked up in your closet. Um, you know, and then, you know, on top of that, I think, you know, as as kind of the younger generation has has started to to adopt it, you know, we've seen you know older generations start to get in on it too, right? It's like um, you know the biggest consumers of you know outdoor products tend to be to be between the ages of thirty and thirty and sixty, right? Uh, pretty large demographic, uh, and I think a lot of those people are starting to figure out that oh, this is a really cool solution for me to you know move move stuff. Uh, it's also a really good solution for me to try a new activity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to try skiing, uh, you know, just to get into skiing is, you know, skis, bindings, boots, you know, skin, like if you're going to go touring skins, right? I mean, right. like, and then the apparel at, that goes with it, right? Right. And then the apparel that goes with it. I mean, you're looking at anywhere from, you know, two to 5,000 bucks just to get going. Cycling is the same way. Right. right. I mean, really expensive, you know, luxury items. Uh, and so, you know, what resale is starting to do is it's starting to pull in new customers, pull in new people uh, that ordinarily maybe wouldn't be able to either afford uh, the categories or uh, are really interested in trying something new. And we've created an interesting way for people to be able to try something new. Um, and so for us specifically, I mean, we see, you uh, you know, obviously younger gen- d- demographics uh, perform really, really well, but we're starting to see older demographics start to take hold, uh, which is which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I think you told me before, like the, the you, who's the what's the the age range that's actually shopping on GearTrade.com? It's it's remarkably young, isn't it? Yeah. So the average, I mean, the average age of our customers is younger than twenty seven, uh, which is pretty wild. Uh, and they and even like the open stuff. rate on your email blasts is high as well, right? I mean, so this is almost like I remember one of your folks told me that it was just like it's a it's a, it's a very it seems like you have an army that you're kind of cultivating here, people who really believe in what you're doing. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's 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 pretty wild in terms of just you know, again, like um, there's a re education curve that goes on, and with younger customers, that re education just isn't there, they're already thinking about it, they're already. They're already their mind is already already wrapped around it. Uh, they get it, uh, and so they utilize it, and and that's and that's uh, a lot of the customer demographic that 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 we see. I mean, there's a lot of demographics that the outdoor industry as a whole has been you know has been challenged with for a long time, right? right? It's you know, and, and those demographics, you know, they you know they're evolving, they're changing, uh, and they you know, and as they do. Uh, you know, different things become become more more important, and and I think the really interesting thing is that you know we've been able to build a, a you know a product, build a, a service uh, 
that is really, you know, engaging kind of, you know, those those younger groups. So prior to your current role, you know, you were like you were backcountry.com, you were sort of on the on the other side of the industry. So now that you've had time where you are and kind of knowing what you've learned, um, I'm sure you had some passions about this clearly because you got involved in this coming from where you used to be. But at the same time, what what are your what are some takeaways? Like, how would you what, what are your learnings of kind of it operating now in this world for as long as you have? You know, there's there's a huge difference between need and want. Uh, and, and I think as consumers, we've been programmed to think want yeah. uh, equal to need. Um, but oftentimes it's it's not, you know, and I think the really challenging thing is that, you know, me as a consumer, like I'm, you know, I've been guilty of this, right? Where, uh, you know, you buy something, you put it in your closet and it just sits there, right? And then three years later, you're cleaning out your closet and you're like, man, like I never even touched this. Like yeah. what, what was I thinking, right? Um, you know, and I think that there's there's kind of a reprogram that, re- reprogramming that needs to happen where consumers need to start thinking like need versus want. Like, do I mm-hmm. really this or do I just want this right and those those can be two separate concepts and really difficult concepts um you know and so you know as I've kind of looked as I've kind of gone through my career you know and worked you know both on the retail side uh you know for backcountry as, as you mentioned uh but also on the resale side you know one thing that that you know before I kind of moved into you know uh acquiring gear trade and and, and owning gear trade uh was, you know, like I just had so much stuff in my house uh, and it was really difficult for me to, you know, get, move that stuff. Right. And I felt super guilty about it, either going into the landfill or, uh, or, or wherever. And so I tried my best to basically, like, if I had something that I wasn't using, I would try to give it away. Uh, if I was, you know, to somebody that, that could use it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, 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 you know, it's, it's just a, it's a challenging consumer environment where you're just, you know, you're being blasted with ads all the time right. to buy, 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 um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, that model, like, like growth will continue as long as the population grows. Right. Uh, yeah. you know, consumerism will continue as long as, uh, you know, as, as long as uh, businesses are, are beholden to uh, shareholders and, and uh, you know, other dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, is that can we operate in that environment in a way that just doesn't destroy everything that we're trying to do, right? So, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that we are, you know, anti-capitalist or anti-consumption. It's, it's really like, is there a sustainable way that we can do this? a sustainable way that we can, uh, you know, operate and provide customers, you know, new products, uh, different products, uh, used products, uh, you know, things that uh, allow them to tackle their adventures, tackle mm-hmm. their, uh, their, their needs and desires. I guess the last and most important thing I want to ask you is um, what's your prediction for the Broncos this season? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> What you got Sean Payton picking fights with Nathaniel Hackett, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I can't wait for hard knocks to start to see if that comes up on there. Is Russell Wilson gonna bounce back? Oh, dude, like it's really? August 7th. It's August 7th. Uh, what do we say? We'll check. Uh, we'll, we'll have man. you on again in December and we'll see where we're at. Uh, yeah, so yeah, probably 12 and five or maybe 13 and four. I, I don't know. Um, for, for people that that know me, people that uh, you know, they they 
like usually my color scheme is orange and blue. Like I'm a, I'm like diehard Broncos fan and have been a diehard Broncos fan for my entire life. Uh, and last season was like a full on kick in the stomach. Uh, you know, they had, from expectations to what actually transpired. I, I you know, I, I, I hope so. I, I really hope, I really hope that Russell Wilson puts it together. Uh, he owes it to the city of Denver to put it together. Uh, you know, so. Well, we'll see. And if nothing else, you got the nuggets. So that's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, every other sport. Yeah. Nuggets one 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 last year, obviously the abs won the year before. Right. Uh, yeah. So don't worry about uh, the Rockies. You know, that's fine. You know, dude, the Rockies need an ownership change. Like <laughs> uh, that's like another whole nother frustrating thing. It's like, you know, come on. The Rockies, the Rockies could be so good, but gosh, they're just garbage. You can tell you're a real sports fan because you have a team that just won the NBA championship. You know, the abs won it. You're still complaining. Like good, good sports fans are never satisfied. You know, you're good. You're a good Colorado sports fan. We can tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. So let's look. Let's put secondhand first. Shop at GearTrade.com. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, that's our show for today. I want to feature more about resale and secondhand in a future mailbag episode. So please send your comments and tips for shopping secondhand or maybe why you refuse to shop secondhand to myrockfight at gmail.com so I can feature your letter on the mailbag episode. Big thanks to my guest today, Aaron Provine. Be sure to head over to GearTrade.com to get started buying and selling. Our theme song, our theme song was composed by Krista Makes. Thank you for checking out this episode of The Rock Fight. I'm Colin True, and The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight, LLC. Fucking